Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and good morning to some folks across the world and the United States. My name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, June 5, 2010. Well, the title of this program is I think, anyway, an interesting title. The party is almost over. Um, and the reason why I decided to title this uh, program like that is because uh, we have been partying for quite a while now since the Garden of Eden. That party consists of doing things that we think that we think are right, and we assume that they are right. And in Jeremiah, let's turn there here, Jeremiah chapter 16. You're going to hear me quote this a lot if you're going to listen to me, but it's a significant scripture. Jeremiah chapter 16, starting in verse 19. It states, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of afflictions, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, so all over the place, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, as a direct reference to our families, of vanity and things wherein there is no profit. So this is your own Bible, stating the fact that we have all inherited lies. And what is a lie? Something that is not told in a truthful manner. Now, I realize that our parents and our, and our parents' parents, etc., and our great-grandparents did not purposely, in a lot of cases, lie to us. But... When you're children, who do you learn from? You learn from your parents, and you trust that your parents are teaching you right. But I think one of the most, uh, I'm trying to say this in the right way, <laughs> one of the most um, distinctive holidays of the year to show us that this scripture is true is Christmas. Now, we know that there's no such thing as Santa Claus. At least I hope that people are listening to me uh, realize that there is not a Santa Claus. Well, my parents taught me that there was a Santa Claus, and I'm sure your parents did too. And I was very shocked to find out that there was not a Santa Claus. And I was also shocked to realize that my parents lied to me. And that kind of hurt me. I know some other people say, well, it is no big deal to me, but it was a big deal to me because I feel even you know then and even today that my parents should never lie to me about anything. Okay, and... That really hurt me uh, tremendously, and it made me question um, about God and everything else. And I remember myself at age 16 and 17, I asked, 
for God to kill me if he did not reveal himself to me, and he's been doing that ever since. But that's an example of this scripture being fulfilled here, where it says, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. Then verse 20, Shall a man make gods unto himself, and there are no gods? Uh, a perfect example of this is athletics. Uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, uh, who's a, a famous basketball player, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. I'm sure that many of us, and I have before I realized what I was doing, I spent more time looking at basketball games and, and just thinking about those basketball players than focusing on God. And when we put those players on a pedestal and get their jerseys and put them on and, and, and just go crazy rooting for them, what we're really doing, if you want to realize it or not, we're worshiping them. We're putting all our effort in, into praising them when, should, when we should be praising God. Athletics is a perfect example of making gods, making other people gods. Whoever you serve is your god. Whatever you spend more time in is your god, is your idol. And we have to spend more time focusing on God than other things. If we don't do that, then we're committing idolatry. Anyway, in verse 21, it says, Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that athletics is all wrong. Of course not. Even Paul talks about athletics in, in the uh, apostolic scriptures of the New Testament. But we can get carried away with it. We can get too much carried away, like the Greeks did. Uh, in the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, history back then, uh, but the Greeks, they sort of created the concept of the Olympics, and they had the naked Olympics. Now, that's definitely carrying it a bit too far. <laughs> but that's just an example of how we could just, take something and just go too far with it. But anyway, Luke chapter 21, I want to read this in a, because uh, I've been reading this in the King James Version, but I want to read this in the clearer version so that you understand in this, uh, I have what, uh, less, I have 53 minutes here, so I'm going to try to make my point as quickly as possible here. But uh, Luke 21 verse 34 in the, what version is this? In the uh, 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, it says, in verse 34, but give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine. <laughs> and you're going to understand the reason why I'm saying this in a minute here, surfacing. That, that's what that is in the King James Version. But also, this is an excellent translation of this into English, in, under, in, in the understandable English. And it says uh, in verse 34, but give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts or minds become overfull, too much, excess of the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life, and that day may come on you suddenly and take you as in a net. Verse 35, For so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth. It will come to those who allow themselves to be overfull of the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life. So he's warning us, Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, is warning us not to focus so much on food and on wine, and the cares of this life, and the pleasures of this life. Verse 35, For so it will come on all those who are focusing on the overfull of the pleasures of food and wine, and the cares of this life. For so it will come on all those who are living on the face of all the earth. But keep watch at all times with prayer. So this is talking about keeping watch of your spiritual condition, your morality, and also the world. You must understand what's going on in the world right now. You can't put your head in the sand. So that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man. 
All right. So it is very important that that we don't overemphasize the importance of food. As Matthew 4 verse 4 states, let's uh, scripture just popped in my brain here. Matthew 4 verse 4. It says, but he made answer and said, and this is when the devil was tempting him. Of course he would use food because this seems to work with most human beings, uh food. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 4, but he made answer and said, it is in the writings, bread, this is in the the um, Bible and basic English version, but he made answer and said, it is in the writings, bread is not man's only need, oh, that's an excellent translation, but every word which comes out of the mouth of God. So bread is not our only need, but every word which comes out of the mouth of God is, and then, of course, in the King James Version, it states, uh, it says, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. Not that you shouldn't live by bread, but it shouldn't be alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I hate to say this, ladies and gentlemen, but the majority of people who claim that they believe in Yeshua Messiah don't believe in all and every single word of God. And, of course, the Jews, they totally rip out the New Testament like it's not valid. And then, of course, most Christians rip out the Old Testament. So... Both are guilty. Both need to read both uh, books together. The, the the New Testament, which is not really the New Testament, I would call it the Renewed Covenant uh, Scriptures, the Apostolic Scriptures, and then the Tanakh, or what is commonly known as the Old Testament, should be read together. That's how you are able to understand the complete truth. Right now, the Jews have half the truth, and the Christians have half the truth. Because of this half-truthness, the Jews don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, and then Christians don't believe that the Messiah should keep the law, or his followers. So, the true religion, the true doctrines of God, is a combination of the good things of Judaism and the good things of Christianity. The true religion states in James chapter 1, verse 27, let's turn there. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, scriptures is popping in my head here. Verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Let's read that in the, I'm going to use this um, Bible and basic English version a lot more than I've been doing lately because the King James Version is kind of old and um, people in the 21st century are not really familiar with the wording. But anyway, James 1, verse 27, the religion which is holy and free from evil in the eyes of God and the Father is this. This is in the Bible uh, basic English, Bible and basic English version. To take care of children who have no fathers and of widows who are in trouble. And widows is a really a Jewish idiom or understanding of people who are in poverty. And when we, when, the ten, when we tend to think of poverty these days, we think of children and we think of widows. But there's other people that are in poverty as well. To take care of children who have no fathers and of widows who are in trouble and to keep himself untouched by the world or unspotted by the world. Not be perverted by the world and, and partying all over the place, doing the wrong type of partying. So that that is the true religion, ladies and gentlemen, and we, we have to adhere to that. And one of the things that James does explain here that Christians don't seem to understand is uh, James chapter 2, verse 18. It states, But a man may say, You have faith and I have works. Let me see your faith without your works, and I will make my faith clear to you by my works. And that's, again, in the um, basic Bible English version. 
verse 19 of James chapter 2. You have the, the belief that there that God is one and you do well. The evil spirits have the same belief, shaking with fear. So they shake with fear. Do you not see, O foolish man, that faith without works is of no use? So you have to have works, and those works involve keeping the commandments. As Psalm 165, let's turn to Psalms 160. 119, rather. 119, because there's no one, Psalm 165. But Psalm 119, verse 165. I'm still reading this in the uh, Bible and basic English version for clarity's sake here. In Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, Great peace have lovers of your law. They have no cause for falling. Verse 166. In Psalm 119, Lord, my hope has been in your salvation, and I have kept your teachings. So when you hope in the salvation of God, you keep the teachings of God. In other words, as the King James Version states here in this translation, states here that, um, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. So keeping the commandments is how you hope for salvation, and that's something that Christians need to understand. And then Jews, of course, need to understand that there had to be atonement for our wickedness. Um, and Yeshua Messiah came to um, cleanse all of mankind from sin, not just the Jews. And that, that's another Bible study in itself. But that that's something that um, will be revealed in the future, and, and both Jews and, and Christians will understand what religion truly is all about one day. That's the good news. But I want to talk about today something that I think is very very misunderstood. I want to talk about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. I know most people, as soon as they hear the word Sodom, they, they believe that it's, it's totally strictly about homosexuality. And it does have something to do with homosexuality, but also it has something to do with all types of perversion and wickedness, as I'm going to show you. God defines to you in the Bible what Sodom and Gomorrah, what the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah are. And I encourage any ministers that are listening to this to preach to this nation and to preach to many people as possible that we are committing the sins of Sodom collectively as a nation. And the majority of people around the world are, each and every day. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, now I did mention, and I'm going to repeat this over and over again, folks, we are part of Israel in the United States. The Canadians are, are part of Israel. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, the countries in Northwestern Europe, if you don't believe me, Go to www.britam.org. That's www.britam.org. Look at your Davidi's material. If you want to buy his book, that's fine. Uh, but he has enough material on that website to prove to you that we are a part of Israel. All right? Uh, one of the biggest proofs that we are a part of Israel is the fact that one of the characteristics of Israel is that we're waxing fat. All right? And... We are the, uh, you can go to the World Health Organization for yourself, you don't believe me, but I did a study of, for a, a paper I had to turn in for my uh, graduate studies and recently, and I, f I discovered that the United States is the sixth fattest nation in the world. Germany is number seven, all right? And uh, there's one billion people that are overweight worldwide, but... In this country, 
I think we have like 65%, close to 70% of people that are overweight. So, and we are the, one of the fattest nations in the world. So one of the characteristics of Israel is that we're fat. Okay, and when you understand that Israel just does not consist just of the Jews and the Levites, but also of 10 other tribes, which I told you geographically where they're located. And if you look on the United Nations website, and if you look at where the majority of food is plentiful, it's in those areas. All right? Now, if you also do some other studies, go to the WHA World Health Organization website and look up what I did, you'll, you'll see for yourself that we have a lot of obesity and overweightness in the areas that are uh, prosperous when it comes to food. So anyway, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, is a prophecy that, that was told to Moses. And I'm going to read this in the uh, easier version here. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 14. Actually, verse 36. And this is a prophecy. And I want you to pay attention to this because this prophecy is being fulfilled. And uh, it has been fulfilled since the time of Moses, but it's going to pick up in these in these last days in the 21st century, and it's doing it's starting to do that now. Deuteronomy 31 verse 16, and the Lord said to Moses, "Now you, Deuteronomy 31 verse 16, and the Lord said to Moses, now you are going to rest with your fathers, and this people will be false to me, uniting themselves to the strange gods of the land where they are going. They will be turned away from me and will not keep the agreement I have made with them." That's an excellent translation because that's what the covenant means. It's an agreement. And what did the, the nation of Israel agree to? What did our ancestors agree to? We agreed that we would keep the law, and that agreement was made in blood. Remember, Moses had sprinkled blood upon the people. All right? Uh, and on the book. Verse, 30, uh, verse 17 of Deuteronomy 31. And in that day my wrath will be moved against them, and I will be turned away from them, veiling my face from them. In other words, he was, he's going to hide his face from them. And destruction will overtake them, and unnumbered evils and troubles will come on them, and boy, have, have they, have they. So that in that day they will say, have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not with us. Verse 18, truly my face will be turned away from them in that day because of all the evil they have done in going after other gods. Verse 19, make then this song for yourself, teaching it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, so that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Usually when you see the children of Israel... I think in, actually, in most, if not all cases, is talking about all the tribes of Israel. And there were 12 tribes, not just the Jews. Verse 20, For when I have taken them into the land named in my oath to their fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they have made themselves full of food and are fat. Again, that's a characteristics of us. We are full of food and are fat. Where in the world are the majority of countries full of food and are fat? Canada, the United States, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and the countries in northwestern Europe. You might as well put a picture of all those countries as a big fat man or woman. Okay? So verse 20, For when I have taken them into the land, named them my oath to their fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they have made themselves full of food and are fat, 
then they will be turned to other gods and will give them worship, no longer honoring me or keeping my agreement. And see, that's what happens when you're a glutton, when you eat too much, you focus on food so much, it becomes your God and your idol, and you focus on it so much that you forget about God. That's the reason why he wants us to fast occasionally, to get closer to him and realize, wait a minute, if I don't have no food, I'm going to die. Only God can can, can uh, keep me alive. He's the one that creates food for me. So that kind of wakes you up. But verse 21 of Deuteronomy 31. Then when evils and troubles without number have overtaken them, without number, this song will be a witness to them, for the words of it will be clear in the memories of their children. For I see the thoughts which are moving in their hearts even now, before I have taken them into the land of my oath. Now this was even before our ancestors even came into the land of Palestine today, which is called the West Bank. Verse 22. So that same day Moses made this song, teaching it to the children of Israel. Then he gave orders to Joshua, the son of Nun, saying to him, Be strong and take heart, for you are to go at the head of the children of Israel into the land which I made an oath to give them, and I will be with you. Let me see how much time i got left here. 38 minutes. All right. Okay, so let me go back here. Verse 24, now, after writing all the words of the law in the book till the record of them was complete, Moses said to the Levites who were responsible for taking the ark up, well, I already read that part, didn't he? okay, take this book of the law and put it by the ark of the Lord's agreement so that it may be a witness against you, verse 27 of Deuteronomy 31, for I have knowledge of your hard and uncontrolled heart, stubborn, even now while I'm still living, you will not be ruled by the Lord, how much less after my death. So I want you to understand something, and this is a pretty significant verse here. Even in the time of Moses, most of the people of the children of Israel, our ancestors at that time, had a problem obeying God. In verse 27, For I have knowledge of your heart and uncontrolled hearts, even now while I am still living, you will not be ruled by the Lord. How much less after my death? Verse 28 is sad. But anyway, get together before me, all those who are in authority in your tribes and your overseers, proving there is government in, the, in an assembly of God so that I may say these things in their hearing and make heaven and earth my witness against them. For I am certain that after my death you will give yourselves up to sin, wandering from the way which I have given you, which they have and which we have done today, and evil will overtake you in the end. And that, when you look at that in the King James Version and other versions, uh, it means in the latter days, because, in the 21st century, because you will do evil in the eyes of the Lord, moving him to wrath by the work of your hands. Then in the hearing of all the meeting of Israel, Moses said the words of the song to the end. And then in verse 32, actually not verse 32, chapter 32. Chapter 32. Now this is addressed to the entire world, ladies and gentlemen. This is addressed to the entire world. Deuteronomy 32, verse 1. Give here, O heavens, to my voice. Let the earth take note of the words of my mouth. Okay. So this is a message not only to Israel, but the entire world. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 1, Give ear, O heavens, to my voice. Let the earth take note of the words of my mouth. My teaching is dropping like rain, coming down like the dew on the fields, like rain on the young grass and showers on the garden plants. For I will give honor to the name of the Lord. Let our God be named great. He is the rock. Complete is his work, for all his ways are righteousness. A God without evil, who keeps faith, true and upright is he. Verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 32. They have become false. They are not his children. The mark of sin is on them. They are an evil and hard-hearted generation. Is talking about this generation, ladies and gentlemen. The 21st century. Verse 6. Is this your answer to the Lord, O foolish people? He calls us foolish and unwise. 
Is he not your father who has given you life? He has made you and given you your place. Keep him in mind the days of your past. Give thought to the years of generations gone by. Go to your father, and he will make it clear to you, to the old men, and they will give you the story. They're supposed to know the story, but what did I read you in Jeremiah 16? They don't know the story. They inherited lies because they did not keep the law of God, as he has stated here. Verse 8, when the Most High gave the nations their heritages, separating into groups of children of men, he had the limits of the peoples marked out, keeping in mind the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's wealth is his people, and Jacob is the land of his inheritance. Jacob is another name for the, ten, for the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 10, he came to him in the wasteland and the up people waste of sand, putting his arms around him and caring for him. He kept him as the light of his eye, as an eagle, teaching her young to make their flight with her wings outstretched over them, takes them up on her strong feathers. So the Lord only was his guide, no other God was with him. He put him on the high places of the earth. His food was the increase of the field. Honey he gave him out of the rock and oil out of the hard rock, which is interesting. That it's a prophecy to state that we would have lots of oil and have access to lots of oil, and we do today. Verse 14, butter from his cows and milk from his sheep, with fat of lambs and sheep of Bashan and goats in the heart of the grain, and for your drink wine from the blood of grapes. But Jeshurun, which is another name for Israel, and let me look at the original Hebrew for this. Uh, this is interesting here. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Yeah, that's a symbolic name for Israel, and, and, and that's he's, he's talking about Israel's characteristic. <laughs> like I said, our, our main characteristic, one of the major characteristics of Israel, is the fact that we are fat people, and we're fat in the United States, and we're fat in Canada, and we're fat in South Africa, and we're fat in New Zealand, we're fat in Australia, and we're certainly fat and Britain, and all the countries in Northwestern Europe. We are fat people, and you can prove it. Go to the World Health Organization website. Deuteronomy 32, verse 15. But Jezreel became fat and would not be controlled. Let me focus on this again. Focus on the fatness of our people. But Jezreel became fat and would not be controlled. You have become fat. You are thick and full of food. What? I mean, that is a characteristic. That is so accurate and proves that there is an almighty God. For him to prophesy through the prophet Moshe all the way down to today. And we are the fattest, one of the fattest nations in the world. And we have everything. If you, like I said, if you go to the United Nations website and you go and do a study on this, you will see that all the, the main um, food areas where there's plenty of food is in those areas I just mentioned to you. Deuteronomy 32, verse 15, But Jezreel became fat and would not be controlled. You have become fat. You are thick and full of food. Then he was untrue to the God who made him, giving no honor to the rock of his salvation. Again, when you, you, you focus on food too much, you get your mind off God. Verse 16, The honor which was his they gave to strange gods by their disgusting ways he was moved to wrath. He was disgusted by all this. He disgusted today about how fat our people are, you know, and we're not just fat physically, we're fat mentally. We don't want to listen. We don't want to listen to what uh, he says because we're focusing too much on working and getting food and feeding our fat tummies. Verse 16, the honor which was his, they gave to strange gods by the disgusting ways he was moved to wrath. Verse 17, they made offerings to evil spirits, which were not God, to gods who were strange to them, which had nearly come up, not feared by your fathers. 
It explains American society today, how we worship our athletes. We put more praise on them than we do God. And then our movie stars. I don't even want to go there. Anyway, verse 18. You have no thought for the rock, your father. You have no memory of the God who gave you birth. Verse 19. And the Lord saw to this with disgust the evil doing of his sons and his daughters. Verse 20. And he said, My face will be veiled from them. I will see what their end will be. For they are an uncontrolled generation, children in whom is no faith. Verse 21. They have given my honor to that which is not God, moving me to wrath with their false worship. I will give their honor to those who are not of people, moving them to wrath by a foolish nation. For my wrath is a flaming fire, burning to the deep parts of the under. Now, that prophecy means that he will actually call out Gentiles. And he has. He has called people outside the nation of Israel, the, ten, the 12 tribes in the geographical area that I told you today, to be a part of his fellowship, and he has. There are, there are uh, true followers of God in India. I get emails occasionally from um, folks in India needing help. Uh, that there, there are followers, believers of God, that keep the Shabbat and keep the holy days uh, all over the place. So this, this is what is meant by a foolish nation. Uh, verse 22. For my wrath is a flaming fire, burning to the deep parts of the underworld, burning up the earth with her increase, and firing the deep roots of the mountains. Now remember, this prophecy is addressed to the entire planet, ladies and gentlemen. Deuteronomy 32, verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, to my voice. Let the earth take note of the words of my mouth. So don't get into this, oh, it's just for Israel stuff or mess. This is for the entire world. All right, um, back to verse 22 of Deuteronomy chapter 32, For my wrath is a flaming fire, burning to the deep parts of the underworld, burning up the earth of her increase, and firing the deep roots of the mountains. I will send a rain of troubles on them. My arrows will be showered on them. Verse 24, They will be wasted from need of food. Oh, he's going to take away the food from us, because you know that's the problem, see. We eat too much in this country. Our children can say, oh, that's enough, or, or they, can, they can leave bread in the refrigerator for three or four days. Okay, that's how spoiled we are in this country. But anyway, verse 24, they will be wasted from need of food and overcome by burning heat and bitter destruction. And the teeth of beasts I will send out on them with the poison of the worms of the dust. Verse 25, outside they will be cut off by the sword and in the inner rooms by fear. Death will take the young man and the virgin, the baby at the breast and the gray-haired man. And this is sad. This is, this is what's coming, ladies and gentlemen, all because of our sins, unless we repent. Verse 26, I said I would send them wandering far away. I would make all memory of them go from the minds of men. But for the fear that their haters, uplifted in their pride, might say, oh, our hand is strong. The Lord has not done all this. In other words, the people that, have, that God has used to punish us, uh, they get lifted up in their pride. Then this is what God's going to do. Verse 28, for they are a nation without wisdom. There is no sense in them. That's what he, he says, that we are a nation without wisdom. There is no sense in us. Verse 29, if only they were wise, if only this was clear to them, and they would give thought to their future. Verse 30, how would it be possible for one to overcome a thousand and two to send ten thousand in flight if their rock had not let them go, if the Lord had not given them up? For their rock is not like our rock, even our haters themselves being judges, for their vine is the vine of Sodom from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are the grapes of evil, and the berries are bitter. So God does compare evilness with Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'll, I'll explain to you why here in a minute. 
says, Their wine is the poison of dragons, the cruel poison of snakes. Verse 34, Is not this among my secrets kept safe in my storehouse? Punishment is mine and reward. At the time of the slipping of their feet, for the day of their downfall is near, sudden will be their fate. For the Lord will be the judge of his people. So he's talking about he's going to get the people that God used to punish us. For the Lord will be judge of his people. He will have pity for his servants. When he sees that their power is gone, there is no none. There is no one shut up or free. Verse 37, he will say, Where are the gods, the rock in which they put their faith, who took the fat of their offerings and the wine of their drink offerings? Let them now come to your help. Let them be your salvation. See now, I myself am he. There is no other God but me, giver of death and life, wounding and making well. No one has power to make you free from my hand. For lifting up my hand to heaven, I say, by, by unending life. If I make sharp my signing sword and my hand is outstretched for judging, I will give punishment to those who are against me and their right reward to my haters. So that's a significant scripture. I will give punishment to those who are against me and their right reward to my haters. I will make my arrows red with blood. My sword will be feasting on flesh with the blood of the dead and the prisoners of the long-haired heads of my haters. Verse 43. O glad, be glad, O you his people, over the nations, for he will take payment for the blood of his servants and will give punishment to his haters and take away the sin of his land for his people. So Moses said all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and uh, Joshua the son of Nun. Now, realize that Ezekiel 37 prophesies that Judah and also Ephraim will be brought together, you know, as one. So eventually uh, all of Israel, all of Israel will be brought together. So that, that's an important prophecy to understand in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37 here. Ezekiel 37, and it says right here, Ezekiel 37, verse 16, And you, son of man, take one stick writing on it for Judah and the children of Israel who are in his company. That's the Jews and, and, the, and the Levites. Then take another stick writing on it for Joseph and the stick of Ephraim, which is another name for the ten tribes of Israel and all the children of Israel who are in his company. That proves it. Ephraim and all the children of Israel who are in his company. Uh, and then Judah and for the children of Israel are in this company. And what that means basically is that after the destruction of the temple in 586 uh, B.C., some people of all the tribes came with the Jews, but not all of them. If that was the case, then why are they all uniting right now? See, in this, in this passage of Scripture here. So, and then verse 17, Then joining them one to another, make them one stick so that they may all be one in your hand. And when the children of your people should say to you, will you not make us clear to what these things have to do with us? Verse 19, then say to them, this is what the Lord has said. See, I am taking the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, the ten tribes, and the tribes of Israel who are in his company, and I will put it on the stick of Judah and make them one stick, and they will all be one in my hand. Right now, there's a separation of Jews and Christians or Ephraim. The Jews and Christians will be put together and will be one. And that will happen in the future, ladies and gentlemen. That will happen in the future. So, now what specifically are the sins of Sodom? In the remaining um, 24 minutes, I'm going to go over that because we need to understand what they are. Now, Ezekiel chapter 16 reveals what the sins of Sodom are. Ezekiel chapter 16. Now, this is a scripture that you need to, to really... I would say memorize at least where the scripture is located because 
Most people don't know what the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah are. And God reveals it right here in the Bible if we just believe God and take take his words for what they are. True. All right? Now, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 states this. Truly, and this is in the um, easier version that I'm reading. This is in the 1965 Bible and basic English version. It says, truly, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Pride, a full measure of food, and the comforts of wealth and peace were seen in her and her daughters, and she gave no help to the poor or to those in need. Let me repeat that. In verse 49, you tell me this does not represent this country, this filthy rich country. Right now we have over 15 million people unemployed. We have almost 40 million people that are starving, as I'm speaking. We have the richest people in the world in this country, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and all the rest of them, billionaires. We have the most billionaires of any country in this country. You tell me that he's not talking about or these sins are not identifying us. If you want to be honest with yourself, you have to admit that we definitely are in the sins of, we are participating in the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 49, truly, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Pride, a full measure of food, and the comforts of wealth and peace. That's us. We're seen in her and her daughters. Daughters meaning prophetically the, the uh, future generation. And she gave no help to the poor or to those in need. We this country and all the other countries I mentioned, but especially this one, the United States, we have the highest level of inequality in the world. In verse 50 of Ezekiel chapter 16, they were full of pride and did what was disgusting to me, which homosexuality is a part of that, pornography, all types of sexual perversion. And so I took them away as you have seen. Now, here's an interesting thing. <laughs> He says in verse 51, and Samaria has not done half your since Samaria is a tag, tag for the ten tribes. But you have made the number of your disgusting acts greater than theirs. And he's, he's talking about in this context, uh, I think, uh, Judah, or the Jews. So anyway, I just wanted to, to, to focus totally on the fact that God has broken down the sins of Sodom to us. In the Bible. All right? So it's in the Bible, and and this was a message to those in Jerusalem, which were at that time Jews. So so he's saying that, um, that those are the sins of Sodom, and we identify with the sins of Sodom. And Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, tells us that. Uh, and it says in, in verse 2, this is another message to the whole world, not just to Israel. Isaiah 1, verse 2, Give ear, O heavens, and you, O earth. Same phraseology, almost, as Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, and Isaiah 1, verse 2, Give ear, O heavens, and you, O earth, to the word which the Lord has said. I have taken care of my children till they became men, but their hearts have been turned away from me. Verse 3, Even the ox has knowledge of his owner, and he has of the place where his master puts his food. But Israel has no knowledge. My people give no thought to me, and that's true. They don't even know who they are right now. I'm sure that many of you today listening to me don't think I'm 
talking like a nuthead when I say that Israel, that the United States and, and Britain and, and Canada and North, countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa are part of Israel. And that's what he's talking about here. They don't even know who they are. Like Even the ox has knowledge of his owner, and he adds to the place where his master put his food, but Israel has no knowledge. My people give no thought to me. Verse 4, O nation full of sin, a people weighed down with crime, a generation of evildoers, false-hearted children, they have gone away from the Lord. They have no respect for the Holy One of Israel. Their hearts are turned back from Him. And that is a good description of us today. That is a good description of us today. And in verse 10, he states in Isaiah chapter 1, Give ear to the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Let your hearts be turned to the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. He's comparing us with Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what he's doing. Because we commit the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we really are not ashamed of it, as, as he has prophesied. In verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 3, it says, Their respect for a man's position is a witness against them, and their sin is open to the view of all, like that of Sodom. Is it not covered? A curse on their soul, for the measure of their sin is full. And then he states here, in verse 15, But what right are you crushing my people and putting a bitter yoke on the necks of the poor? This is the word of the Lord, the Lord of armies. And then he talks about a good 21st century description of the daughters of Zion. And that can mean not just the Jews, but also the other tribes, because how can you say he's not talking about the other tribes? You know, you're talking about people in Israel, in the Middle East, that's for sure, but also this is applying to all the tribes uh, because of the description here. Isaiah 3, verse 16, again the Lord has said, because the daughters of Zion are full of pride and go with outstretched necks and wandering eyes with their foot chains sounding when they go. I've seen plenty of girls uh, with foot chains, okay? Verse 17, the Lord will send disease on the heads of the daughters of Zion and the Lord will let their secret parts be seen. And that day the Lord will take away the glory of their foot rings and their sun jewels and their moon ornaments their earrings and their chains and delicate clothes. Come on, this is a description of the 21st century uh, Anglo-Saxon or American, Canadian, uh, New Zealand, Australian, South African uh, people in Northwestern Britain, British people. Verse 19, the earrings, the chains, the delicate clothing, the headbands, the arm chains, the work bands, the perfume boxes, the jewels with secret powers, the rings and the nose jewels. I've seen many people now today with rings in their nose. The feast day dresses and the robes and the wide skirts, the wide skirts, and the handbags, the looking glasses, the fair linen. You think God doesn't have a description? Don't know what we, uh, the way the society would be today? The looking glasses and the fair linen and the high heat dresses and the veils. Verse 24, and in the place of sweet spices would be an evil smell. And for a fair band of thick cord, for a well-dressed head, there would be the cutting off of the hair. And for a beautiful robe, there will be the clothing of sorrow, the mark of the prisoner, in place of the ornaments of the free. Your men will be put to the sword. In other words, there's going to be a war soon. And your men of war will come to destruction in the fight. And in the public places of her towns will be sorrow and weeping, and she will be seated on the earth, waste and uncovered. And that's where we're going, ladies and gentlemen. God is tired of us sinning. And he is going to do all he can to get our attention. And he's going to punish us and the entire world. Because remember, this is addressed to the entire world. It's not just the Israel of the, of the 12 tribes. We're supposed to be an example to the world. 
of what righteousness is supposed to be all about. But as in Ezekiel 16, verse 49 to 50 reveals, ladies and gentlemen, we have too much pride. Well, we shouldn't have any pride at all, but we have pride. We eat too much. We're lazy, uh, one of the laziest nations in the world. We as many nations right now that are above us as far as educational achievements and intellectual achievements because we spend too much time looking at television and video games and, and movies and partying. A failure to help and care for the poor, and, of course, we are definitely sexually perverted, as I'm going to explain to you here. Now, as I've mentioned to you earlier, we are one of the most stingiest nations in the world. We don't adequately take care of the poor in our country or in, in the world. Our gross domestic product is $14 trillion. The only other nation or groups of nations that compare to that is the European Union, which they have a total net worth uh, or gross domestic product that's slightly, just slightly a little bit more than ours. We allow, as I mentioned, over 37 million people in this country to not have enough food, according to Feeding America. If you go to www.feedingamerica.org or .com, you'll see that. Um, I just mentioned to you that we are one of the fattest nations in the world, confirmed by Deuteronomy 31, verse 20. We are one of the laziest nations in the world. We lead the world in pornography production. We are the top video porn producers, according to FamilySafeMedia.com. If you don't believe me, go to www.FamilySafeMedia.com. Top erotica important cities in the United States are Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New York, and Chicago, according to FamilySafeMedia.com. Com. So, ladies and gentlemen, we definitely are a part of Israel. I'm just using that. That's the fat scenario is one of the major proofs to prove that we are definitely uh, a part of Israel. And I just use that to, to prove that to you. Also in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32, when Moses blessed all the tribes, let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33 for further proof. I'm trying to prove this as easy as I can. But you really need to go to um, www.britam.org to get detailed description, biblical references, and secular outside of Bible references to prove without a shadow of a doubt that we are a part of Israel. One of the other proofs, too, is that where are, are most of the Bible distributions located across the world? In those regions I told you about. So that's another proof. So anyway... Um, Deuteronomy chapter 33. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 33. Joseph. Joseph is another name for all the tribes. Well, actually, no, of two tribes of Israel because in Deuteronomy chapter 33, he's blessing each of them. But of one particular tribe I want to talk about because Joseph consists of the United States and Britain. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 13, and of Joseph, he said, Let the blessing of the Lord be on his land for the good things of heaven on high and the deep waters flowing under the earth. So they were going to receive the majority of the resources of the earth. That's what that's saying here in verse 14. And the good things of the fruits, the good things of the fruits of the sun. And the good things of the growth of the moons, and the chief things of the oldest mountains, and the good things of the internal hills, the good things of the earth, and all his wealth, the good pleasure of him who was seen in the burning tree, may they come on the head of Joseph. Verse 16 of Deuteronomy chapter 33. The good things of the earth, and all his wealth. Let me repeat that again. 
the good things of the earth and all its wealth, the good pleasure of him who was seen in a burning tree, may they come on the head of Joseph, on the head of him who was prince among his brothers. Now, what countries today fit this description? It's the United States, ladies and gentlemen, and the British Commonwealth of Nations, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. They fit they have the good things of the earth and all its wealth. No other country does. And you can't deny that if you want the truth and you if you desire the truth. Verse seventeen. States this about Joseph again, who are the twelve tribes of Israel. Or right, wait a minute. You're from Ephraim and Manasseh, which is the United States and Britain. Although the other nations of Israel, they also are prosperous too, because God promised to bless all the tribes of Israel, but the United States and the British nations, or Commonwealth of Nations, are the most blessed. Verse 17, He is a young ox, glory is his, his horns, and the horns of the mountain ox, with which all peoples will be wounded, even to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. Okay? Which... Um, some people get mixed up on who who's which. Some people think Manasseh is United States and Ephraim is is Britain or vice versa. I just group them up together. All right. So this is the description of the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations, which back in 1800 Britain became an empire and they ruled the world. And then uh, Britain's brother, which is the United States, took over the leadership of the world during World War Two. But without those two nations, we would all be talking German right now here in this country and around the world. So God used Joseph to defeat Germany. All right? And this time God's going to have to come himself to defeat wickedness. And he will. So I just wanted to explain that to you. And how much time do I have left here? I have nine minutes. So I hope you understand what Sodom and Gomorrah is and, and, and the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah in particular. And we need to understand what the, what, what the things that we need to focus on in, in, in these last days here. So what are the last days of the end times and the remaining few minutes that I have here? I'll go over this again. The last days are the end times when this age is coming to a close and the world is about to come. And, and the world to come is about to come. So the last days are the end times when this age is coming to a close, and the world to come is about to come. The phrase last days is mentioned in the context of seven subjects that are mentioned in the King James Version Bible. Now, the first subject is the 12 tribes of Israel, which I've been focusing on today in light of the Sodom and Gomorrah sins. Jacob or Israel, God changed his name to Israel, gathered all of his sons together to tell them, what their distant future would be as tribes. This is found in Genesis chapter 49. The second subject is the temple of God, which currently is the temple mount on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. This is found in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, and Malachi 4, verse 1. The third subject is the Holy Spirit being poured on all flesh. This is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and also in Joel chapter 2. The fourth subject is perilous or dangerous times outlines the evil behaviors of mankind that are present in these dangerous times. This is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And let's turn there. 
2 Timothy, chapter 3. But be certain of this, that in the last days times of trouble will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, uplifted in pride, given to bitter words, going against the authority of their fathers, never giving praise, having no religion. In other words, they're not caring for the poor, nor are they keeping themselves unspotted from the world, because the Bible tells you what true religion is. Verse 3, without natural love, bitter haters, saying evil of others, violent and uncontrolled, hating all good, false to their friends, acting without thought, lifted up in mind, loving pleasure more than God, having a form of religion, or they're faking religion, but turning their backs on the power of it, go not with these. Okay? These individuals in verse 7 states, states that these individuals, they ever learn, they're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of what is true. And what is true? Psalm 119, verse 142, the Torah or the doctrines of God is the truth, which includes, of course, his commandments or what should be done correctly. All right. So we have to understand that. The fifth subject is Jesus, or Yeshua, speaking to his servants. This is found in Hebrews 1, verse 2. The sixth subject is economic inequality, which we're experiencing right now as I'm speaking. It is about rich people in this world storing up wealth for the last days of the 21st century, that their riches would be corrupted, that they would not pay fair wages. And this is found in James 5, verse 1 to 3. Let's turn there. James 5. It says, Come now, you men of wealth. Give yourselves to weeping and crying because of the bitter troubles which are coming upon you. Now, the interesting thing about the epistle of John, I mean James, is that in the beginning of it, it's addressed to all the tribes of Israel. And in James chapter 1, verse 1, so this is a prophecy. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, sends words of love to the twelve tribes living in all parts of the earth. Okay? So this is addressed to all the tribes of Israel, not just the Jews. That's something that uh, for you to understand there. And, and, and this Jewish version says, To the twelve tribes in the diaspora, shalom, or peace. So anyway, James chapter 5, verse 1, in the uh, Bible in basic lean, says, Come now, you men of wealth, give yourself to weeping and crying because of the bitter troubles which are coming to you. So the elite, all these folks that are rich, they're going to get there. That's what he's saying. Verse 2, your wealth is unclean, and insects have made holes in your clothing. This is what's going to happen to them. Verse 3, your gold and your silver are wasted, and their waste will be a witness against you, burning into your flesh. You have put your store in the last days. Uh, see, the money which you falsely kept back from the workers, cutting the grass in your field, is crying out against you. That happened back then. It's going to be happening again, and it is happening as I'm speaking. And the cries of those who took in your grain have come to the ears of the Lord of armies. Verse 5, you have been living delicately on earth and have taken your pleasure. You have made your hearts fat, here we go again, fat for the day of destruction. You have given your decision against the upright man and have put him to death. He puts up no fight against you. Go on waiting calmly, my brothers, to the coming of the Lord, like the farmer waiting for the good fruit of the earth to the early and late rains have come. Be as calm in your waiting. Let your hearts be strong because the coming of the Lord is near. 
Verse 9, say no hard things against one another, brothers, so that you will not be judged. See, the judge is waiting at the doors. He's telling you that in this time, this unprecedented history, uh, financial history of the world, that's the time when he's going to be coming back. And in Psalm chapter uh, 12, I think it's verse 5, he states that he's going to rise because of the plight of the poor. And never in, 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 in modern history has, have we been as poor as we are today. In other words, there's not been a separation of poor and rich as it has been today. In Psalm 12, verse 5, uh, I read a quote from the United Nations own book that stated that, and you need to listen to that program from last week. But anyway, Psalm 12, verse 5 says, Because of the crushing of the poor and the weeping of those in need, now will I come to his help, says the Lord. I will give him the salvation which he is desiring. So this is a prophecy here in Psalm 12, verse 5. Because of the crushing of the poor and the weeping of those in need, now will I come to his help, says the Lord. I will give him the salvation which he is desiring. So that's a beautiful psalm there, the whole psalm, Psalm chapter 12. And it's definitely having a picture of the Messiah coming and ruling this earth. So that's the good news there. And the seventh subject of the last days of the end times of the 21st century is people doubting that Yeshua is coming back to rule his earth. And this is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And then Jesus stated in uh, Luke 18, verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, or is in the process of coming, shall he find faith or trust on the earth? And that is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. That is the problem with a lot of people and, and what, what they call religion, because they don't understand what it is. But anyway, um, I'm going to talk next week about what we need to do to prepare for these terrible things that are going to happen upon the earth and in your area. And we must be prepared spiritually and physically, and I'm going to show you how to do that next week. So you take care. May God bless and keep you. And may you have a blessed week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs>